now be a perfect time to hibernate? Welcome to the Nature of Phenology, where we share the cycles and seasons of the outdoors. I'm your host, Hazel Stark. Driving along the roads of Maine in the fall, you might hope to soak in the range of reds, oranges, yellows, and greens offered by the beautiful foliage and, if you're lucky, spy a moose. In reality, you are much more likely to have spied a porcupine than a moose, and probably a dead one at that. In fact, in less than one week last November, I saw five dead porcupines along a 20-mile stretch of road in Washington County. Since these corpulent critters move slowly and do not see very well, the times of year when they need to cover more ground are the times when they are more likely to get hit by cars. This time of year, in late fall, is one of two seasons when porcupines are on the move. Living in an off-grid cabin nestled between a spruce fir forest and a field a few summers ago, my noisiest neighbors were black-throated green warblers, mosquitoes, and one particularly carefree porcupine. As is true for anyone's first night in a new place, my senses were heightened once the sun went down, analyzing the landscape of sounds in that particular spot to determine normal and abnormal. As I closed my eyes to sleep in the beautiful, silent pitch black that only remote cabins can provide, no hum of a refrigerator or trickle of water pipes in the wall, I recalled the news of a recently escaped prisoner. I realized that this spot would be a perfect place to hide from pursuers and found myself calculating how far a man could travel by foot in a few days. A bedtime thought experiment I do not recommend. Fortunately, tired from the transition to a new place, I fell asleep after just a few minutes. Several hours later, I awoke with a start when I heard the seemingly man-made sound of metal trash cans toppling over just feet from my open window. I crept to the window and saw a dark shadow bumbling along the ground, heading for the shed. I grabbed my headlamp and quickly pointed the beam of light at the intruder, revealing a fat and prickly porcupine. Over the course of that summer, I saw that porcupine almost every day, in the shed or munching leaves in a particular tree by the well. My neighbor porcupine seemed to be saying, why travel if you can meet all your needs in less than one square mile? But with the colder temperatures of fall, I transitioned back to my school year-aligned life and home, and I imagine the porcupine began its quest for a mate. This evolutionary need to breed drives porcupines to bravely leave the comfort of their summer haunts, so we are much more likely to see them wandering far and wide in the fall. Once a male porcupine finds a receptive female, he needs to wait until she's ready. This waiting allows time for other male porcupines to find her as well, so a battle between males ensues. I can't decide if a fight between porcupines would be adorable or terrifying, but I will let you know what I decide if I ever witness it in person. Now, I'm sure you're wondering about what happens next. How do two such dangerously sharp critters with club-like tails mate? In an effort to keep this family friendly, I'll spare you the details, But just know that the female flattens her quills down and lifts her tail up over her back to reduce the potential of injury to the male. Come spring, females will give birth to one baby, called a porcupet. So the next time you're on the road, be extra vigilant for bumbling porcupines crossing the road. They are slow, they don't see well, and they are being very brave traveling the big world to look for a mate. 
You can download this episode and find a link to the transcript, photos, information about podcasting, and more by visiting archives.weru.org. I'll also link to an article I wrote for the Bangor Daily News last year about the many reasons to appreciate Maine's many porcupines on our blog. Thanks for listening, and please join us next week for another dive into the nature of phonology. (laughs) 